I just think I might take a moment just to pray and uh, just to invite God's Spirit to help me deliver this talk, which is massive. So if prayer is new for you, you can just listen in. You don't have to close your eyes. It might help you to focus. But Father God, we just want to come into your presence now and um, we're really eager to hear from you. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak straight from heaven to us today that we might learn to grow to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's topic is about repositioning, it's about a fresh posture, and it's about the idea of worship. And I wonder what comes to mind for you when you think of worship, because for some of us who have been in church circles for quite a while, you might think that worship is singing, and you might get pictures of big stages with rock bands and lights, and you know people might say, well, you should go to that church because the worship is great. Or you might think that worship is more the idea of bowing down to something, or uh, perhaps religious activity. But the old Saxon word of worship actually means to ascribe worth to something, something that you value. And in the ancient text called the Bible, in ancient Hebrew, the word for worship actually means to bow down or to serve. And in Psalm 102, in this old book, The word for worship actually means to serve, but it can also mean to sing. So either of those options are correct. So today I want to talk for a little bit about the idea of worship as serving, and then I'm going to morph a little bit and drill down deeper into the idea of worship as singing. So I wonder what are you worshipping this morning? What is your life about and what are you paying attention to or what's worth your attention You see, some people would say that the gods of this age, particularly in our Western world, are all about money, or it's all about wealth, or it's all about success, or identity through what we own. It's all about self, is it not? All you need to do is look at Instagram or Facebook or our social media, and you kind of realise very quickly that the world that we live in at the moment does seem very self or me-oriented. I mean, all you have to do is go down to the Temple of Wasteland down the road, otherwise known as Eastland. Do you know when you type in Eastland into a text, it comes up with Wasteland? (laughs) Autocorrect, amazing. But all you have to do is go down there and you can see what people are spending their money on. It's stuff, lots of stuff. So what about you? What are you ascribing your worth to? What are you spending your time thinking about? And you might say, well, that depends. Well, have a look at my lovely Cindy's non-fancy, non-mathematical Jesus follower continuum. (laughs) Because I did make a mention a few weeks ago about how great at maths I'm not. In fact, my son asked me yesterday, Mum, what's a continuum? I went, actually, I don't know. (laughs) But you might place yourself on the left-hand side of that line and go, you know what, Jesus... Ah, not sure, still checking him out. Or you might be way at the other end of that line and you might say, you know what, I've surrendered everything to Jesus. I'm in, boots and all. And for some of us, when we decide to follow Jesus, it may still take some time along that line until we've actually surrendered everything where we might fully enter into worship of him. Because if you think about it, a Jesus follower according to what the ancient text says, should be worshipping God and God only. One God, not God plus one. Not an extra love affair in your back pocket. 
It should be God. There's a guy called Jordan Peterson who wrote 12 Rules for Life. I haven't actually read the book. But a friend sent me a little text this week and said, oh, I know you're doing a talk on this and I just wondered whether this might fit. And it does. He says that all people serve their own ambition and there are no atheists. Interesting. There are only people who know and don't know what God they serve. Because you see, in today's world, we can make things into gods that we serve without even realising it. But you see... When we decide, or if we decide that we want to worship Jesus, he does want all of us. And you might say, well, I don't bow down to anything else. I have definitely decided to worship Jesus, or I'm thinking about deciding to worship him. But have a think about what your life looks like. How much time and attention do you actually devote to the thing that you're worshipping? What's your first place priority? What do you spend most of your time thinking about? Is it your job? Is it your dog? (laughs) Okay, maybe not. Is it your family? And all those things are good, but they shouldn't take the place of what a Jesus follower is meant to be worshipping. And it's easy to be thrown off. Ten years ago, this was me. I look a little bit younger, very glamorous. I'm signing a CD, and that was my second album that I had put out and it was my CD launch. I was really proud of that moment in my life because music had been a way for me in which to worship God. But as time went on, I became more and more driven about doing stuff with my music. It became my music. And I would spend more time thinking about it, so much so that even my music would creep into my dreaming about what I had to do next and where I had to go and what dress I had to buy for what kind of gig and which musician I wanted to involve in what I was doing. And I became obsessive about this music. And one day I was praying and I I remember it as clear as day. I was sitting there and I was saying to Jesus, oh, what do you want me to do about this music thing? Where do you want me to go next? And and what should I do? And And should I do this song or that song? And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit, who I call the Holy Interrupter, interrupts my thoughts. And he said this, when are you going to stop making music your idol? And I was like, What? No, God, that was never meant to be the case. I love you first. And then he came in with another thought. You spend a lot of time thinking about it. And then I had this sense of, actually, he's right. And then I said, but God, what do you want me to do for you then? And he said, as clear as day, I don't want you to do anything for me. I just want you to love me first. And that really changed my life. And so now I'm in a totally different position where music is enjoyable again because God is first and foremost in my life. But I had set it up as an idol somewhere along the way. Because even good things and noble things and wonderful things can often be over-elevated in our lives. A friend shared this thing with me the other day. And she had written it down after a bit of quiet time with God. And she had felt that he too had challenged her. And it said, may I refuse to elevate any other intentions, no matter how virtuous, no matter how nobly connected to his purposes for me, above the one main thing for which he set me free. 
to worship him. So I wonder this morning, is it time for you to reposition yourself? Is it time for you to slightly change a few things in your life? Wherever you are on that Jesus follower continuum, is it time for you perhaps this morning just to reposition your life a little bit? Because God's narrative about worship is that we were designed to worship him. We were designed to be in this relationship with God as our first and foremost. Ever since the Garden of Eden, we were meant to find fulfillment in our creator, not in created things. Ever since God breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils, up close and personal, we were meant to live in that relationship. We get so distracted. Like Eve, when she reached out for that apple, she was looking for something more, searching for significance, searching for meaning, something that would bring her something else, as though God wasn't enough. Is there anything right now that you can think of that you might be using to search for your significance other than God? I'm just going to let you sit in silence with that for a minute. Is there anything else in your life that you're searching for in terms of significance or meaning other than God? And if so, just have a think about what that might be. What's, what's pulling you away from your worship of God? In about 300 or 350 AD, there was an early church father called St. Augustine who said there is a God-shaped vacuum in every human heart that only Christ can fill. And I want to use this little baby toy as an illustration. Now, these things terrify me because once at youth group we had to do this game and we had to use a stopwatch and we had to try and fill all the pieces. It was terrifying. I can't do that. But for today's illustration, I have a triangle And if I try and stuff this triangle into an oval or into a star or into a... uh Oh, maths. Hexagon. (laughs) That was not supposed to happen. A triangle fits into a triangle shape, right? We were designed to worship God. That is the shape for which we were meant to find significance and meaning. There is a quote that I want to share with you that I came across the other day. God is most concerned about your worship because he knows if your worship is right, you will find fulfillment in right relationship with him. I think that's a beautiful thing. You see, Jesus once referred to this Old Testament passage. It's called the Shema. It's a Jewish prayer. And part of it is this. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. It was the way we were designed to be. And this special verse, actually, which Steve Parsons just mentioned before, was that set up? No. Interesting. Says, whatever you do in word or in deed, that means everything needs to be about worship. Whatever you do, if you're at the cash register buying milk or groceries, you're worshipping. You can take that opportunity to be aware of God's presence. You don't have to find special times to do it necessarily. It's a way of life. There's a little verse in the Bible. It's only little, two verses long. 
but it talks about offering our bodies as living objects of worship to God, that whatever we do, we can use this body as an instrument to worship him. And I love what this artist has said. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Now, it looks like she's just going shopping, but you see, what God wants to do is partner with you. He wants to partner with you to transform you first and foremost and then to transform the world around you because God's like that. He wants to repair things that are broken and he wants you to be in on that with him, whatever you do. And you might ask, well, what difference is this going to make? Like, yes, I worship God. Okay, I get it. Or I'm on the way or I'm, I'm still checking him out, Cindy. I don't know. It's all a bit too heavy for me. But I tell you, when you worship God, you will get peace in here. You can't find anywhere else. And this ancient text, the Bible, says that it's imperishable, which means it will never, ever die or pass away. So your worship and your faith in God will last. Does this mean that God's going to give us smooth sailing if we decide to worship him? Does this mean that... If I say yes to worshipping this Jesus with all my life, is he going to make my life easy? No. (laughs) Life brings a series of sufferings and pains that you can't get away from. But I tell you, the more you worship Jesus, the more peace you will get. So when those storms hit and when you suffer or when you have pain, not if, When you have pain, you will have peace in the middle of those storms. When I was 17 years old, I had a storm that shook me so incredibly much that it actually drove me closer to the heart of God. Because I had thought that when I was in year 12 that I had met the man of my dreams. And it is not Rodney. (laughs) He's the other man of my dreams. See, I've got two chances Because the guy that I was totally in love with lived in Geelong, got his licence and was driving to my place in Melbourne and we had become unofficially engaged. We'd gone to our parents and we said, we really want to get engaged, we want to get married, we love each other. I'm only in year 12 at this point, so you teenagers, just be aware this can happen. You can fall in love in year 12. He's driving from Geelong to Melbourne. His front right tyre blows out car slams into a tree, killed instantly. This man, the guy that I'd pinned all my hopes on. And when I heard the news, I dove under the kitchen table. I said to my parents, no more. He's the guy that I'd pinned all my hopes on. And my father and my mother got under the kitchen table with me. Can you believe that? And they said, it's okay, because God's got this. God's up to something. And you know what? I would rather be worshipping God and worshipping him in a time of suffering than doing it alone. And I don't know about those of you guys who are sitting here, if you've had storms that have hit and whether or not you've been walking with God because once you've got that peace, you're able to stand in the storm. Might not be smooth sailing but it might be time for you to think about repositioning. The second half of my talk 
is about coming together to worship as one community or new community. Sounds like a name for a church, one community. (laughs) Psalm 100, the second half of this verse, it's a little ripper. It's tiny, but it says, come before his presence with singing. So guess what? Singing is biblical. Yay! (laughs) As a worship pastor, that makes me very excited. In our text for today in Colossians, just have a look at the middle bit. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms and hymns and songs in the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. See, there are special times that we get to come together to worship. So yes, worship can be all of life, but we need to set aside times where we actually intentionally come before God's presence to sing or to have gratitude in our hearts. And way back when this was written, this was written for a Jewish people. And what they would do is they would go to the temple to worship in Jerusalem. And they would go together as one people where they would worship God. And in thinking about this, I came across this beautiful idea that really depicts it amazingly. God's people gathered in a context of deliberate corporate worship before God, or maybe even dealing directly with God more than they would in their everyday ordinary life at home. Like coming to a king's court, only a heavenly king, and being granted an audience. Do you know, on Sunday mornings when I rock up here at whatever time, quarter to eight, I come in these doors and I have this sense like I'm coming into a king's court because I know that I'm going to meet Jesus here I meet Jesus at home, I meet him in the shopping centres, but I know that here, when I come in here, I get to meet Jesus with other people that are ready to meet with Jesus. There's something really special about that. You see, back in the Old Testament, there was this prophet called Ezekiel who prophesied that one day God's people would get a new heart and a new spirit and that one day we would be able to worship in spirit and in truth and we wouldn't have to go to the temple anymore. So now we can worship anywhere. So if you gather for a life group and you gather in the name of Jesus and you're worshipping there, that's worship. You could go to a concert or a footy game or something where other people are with similar interests. But what we do here on a Sunday morning or when we gather together to sing is special. It's supernatural. It's unique because we do it because God is going to be there among us. Are you with me? doesn't mean that we're nearer to God when we sing. You see, what Jesus did at the cross, at the point of the cross, was when he was put to death in the body, we were actually made alive in the spirit. So that we were set free to worship wherever we were in spirit. He reconnected us. You might have seen this guy before. This is Tim Costello. He put out an amazing piece on social media this week in response to the Instagram thing of Israel Folau, and I just I love this guy's wisdom. He said, we are communal and social beings, and we all need a tribe. We need to know where we belong. We belong with others who share our values, and this gives us identity and meaning and belonging. Now, he's not talking about church there specifically, But I thought to myself when I read that, actually, that's what church is about. It's about gathering together with people who share values and identity of people who want to know what Jesus is about. So when you come on a Sunday morning and the worship, the music over here is starting and you're grabbing your coffee and you're chatting with people and you come and take your place, 
Are you aware that this is about your identity and, and, and a community? Wow. Apparently I feel like right now I'm meant to skip a whole bit in my talk. How about that? I just feel like God is telling me to move on. <laughs> okay. The other day when we were at Sunday at 7, when we started Sunday at 7, when we were rehearsing beforehand, I felt like God had suddenly walked in the room. Sounds weird. But the whole atmosphere changed. And we'd been singing and worshipping and setting up candles and whatnot for a while. Just normal. All of a sudden, I just became aware of this put my hands up. It was like a heaviness. It was like a sense of an awareness that God was in the building. And I felt it in here and I looked over at the band and I could tell that they felt it too because there was just this sense of God being there. And that's what corporate worship and singing is meant to be. It's not actually about singing the latest cool songs. It's actually about connecting that spirit thing with each other and with our lifeline, with God. You see, when we play and sing over here, this might be a surprise to you, but our goal as a music team is actually not to get you sing to sing. What? It's actually not. Our goal is to facilitate a space of worship for where you guys get to connect with God and where he gets an opportunity to connect with you. So it's worship and it's encounter. And you might say, you know what? I'm not really fond of singing. Well, you might be like Rodney, my husband, who doesn't enjoy singing very much, which is funny being married to me because I sing all the time. But when you come in the building on a Sunday morning, can I encourage you to reposition your thinking about what we do in that moment? Because it's a sacred space. And if you don't like singing... Fine. (laughs) I don't actually mind. What I do mind is that you come prepared and ready to focus on God. Now, this guy seems to make it into every talk that I do at NCR. (laughs) I thought I'd just keep that up. This is Rufus. This, This face is when Rufus is adoring me. He gets to look in my eyes and apparently there's this hormone called oxytocin sounds mathematical and it's a it's a bonding hormone apparently it's like what happens with babies and mothers but when Rufus adores me when he looks at me and he gazes into my eyes there is complete focus and other stuff could be happening but he's there and I'm there and we're looking at each other and I wonder about whether we could reposition ourselves on a Sunday morning to get into that space to go I'm not going to be late for the coffee or the worship, I'm going to come and I'm going to start to adore and gaze and get to know this Jesus that everybody keeps talking about. It's biblical. We get to gaze into the eyes of God and that's his sacred time to get to work, to transform us on the inside, to make us more like him, to transform our world around us. I'm going to wrap this thing up. What I want to say is this. You have a little bookmark on your chair there and it's got seven life hacks for worship. 
Some of them are about worship as all of life and some of them are about worship as singing and being together. And I'm actually not going to spend time talking about those things because you've got eyes and you can read it. So take those home and look at those seven life hacks. Don't just throw them in the bin when you get home. Put them somewhere for a moment and look at them. Think about it. I might just invite the band to come up now. You guys can start playing already. What we're going to do now is we're actually going to spend a bit of time worshipping in song. And I want to give you an opportunity to do this. I'm going to call this the NCR ABCs of worship. (laughs) When you come in on a Sunday, or even now, three things. Can you? Allow yourself to focus completely on God. Even if you're not a Jesus follower, you're here, so you must be slightly interested in checking him out. Just allow your focus. You don't have to force yourself. Just It's like waking up, when you wake up from a good sleep and you suddenly become aware that you're awake, that kind of thing. Just bring your focus and go, you know what? What is this song about? What am I doing here? Gosh, I'm tired, but that's okay. What am I doing here? Looking at the words of the song, that's right. Bring your whole self into the moment. Your body's here, your feet have brought you, you've driven here, you've walked here. Body, mind, what you're thinking about, and that part of you which is eternal, that spirit part that Jesus made you alive in when he gave up his body. Lastly, choose to posture yourself. Now, this is a tricky one because our context and our culture here We don't do a lot of free moving around in our worship and song. But I want you to be free to do it. If you want to put your hands out to say, God, fill me up, give me something new today. Or if you want to put your hands in the air and say, God, I need you. You might want to put your arms out and say, actually, I surrender. I want to worship you instead of whatever else you're worshipping. I would hope that NCR is a community that allows you to be free to worship with your body. So if you want to get up during these next two songs, move around. You could sit, move out of your chair. You could, do, you could just do a little sneaky one so people can't see you if you're worried about it. Just, you could... <laughs> or do it on the inside. ABCs of worship. So today as we go into these next two songs, I've actually asked God to not be in a hurry to finish these songs. You won't be here for half an hour. Just two songs. But in these songs, can I ask you, can I invite you to take an opportunity to allow yourself to focus completely on God, to bring your spirit, your mind and your body and to choose to posture yourself somehow. Make this about you and God. Don't be looking at what your neighbour's doing. If your neighbour puts up their hand in the air... Don't be thinking they're weird. Let them go. They're they're doing stuff with God. So enjoy this moment of worship with him and take an opportunity to to reconnect. Come to regroup next week. Come to the next Sunday at 7. And that's all. Mm -hmm.